Welcome to the traveling teacher in the great nation of South Africa. We have a phenomenal conversation with Gwaza Zulu, an educational leader with Star for Life in Durban. Before we get there, it's important to examine the dynamics that created the current educational system. Rather than hear it from me, I asked a good friend, Alfred Maraca, to share his knowledge on the subject. In pure TED Talk fashion, Alfred helps us understand the nature, the challenges, and the state of South Africa's educational system through the social, economic, and social political landscape, and how this is coloring and shaping how the educational system is growing. Have a listen. Social, economic, and social political landscape of South Africa is probably the most significant force and factor that is shaping the way in which education is taking form and the way in which the education system as a whole is unfolding given the formal collapse of apartheid in 1994. And it's important to really appreciate the fact that South Africa is a deeply unequal society. In fact, it is a society with the greatest inequality gap where the gap between the rich and the poor is the greatest anywhere on earth. And because of our history of colonialism and apartheid, there continues to be deep structural and systemic inequalities that spill over and that shape every facet of South African life with education also being such a facet. And this also shapes the nature in which education is access it also shapes when such education is accessed how it is deployed in the classroom and what form it takes and i think that there's a number of vantage points from which we can look at this the first one it relates to the classroom many of these pupils who come into the classroom are coming from deeply impoverished societies and communities. They often come from homes that are violent. They often come from homes that are unable to provide an environment that is conducive to learning and that is conducive to overall well-being of the child. And they bring all of these difficulties and all of these socioeconomic challenges into the classroom such that a teacher who is standing in front of these pupils often has to not just deploy and the duties as a teacher, but they have to go beyond that and become a police officer and intervene in violence in the classroom and has to become a psychologist who has to take interest in the child beyond just educating them. And sometimes even has to become a substitute parent where some pupils are being taken care of by their grandparents or there isn't anybody at home that can act as a guardian and as a primary caregiver. This inequality and these deep challenges that are often faced by teachers in front of students from specific demographic groups often stands in stark contrast to private education in the country as with many places in the world whereby 
more private education allows for kids from more affluent backgrounds who often come from parents who are professionals and can intervene and exercise greater oversight over the educational development of their children. The curriculums and private education are very, very broad and there is emphasis on both sports and art as well as the more traditional areas of educational development, mathematics, numeracy, and so forth. And of course, if you go to the private schools, there's also um, after school tutoring, and there is also just powerful networks of parents and of community that support and that supplement the school's own duties towards the pupils. And so this inequality I'm speaking of, of the greatest of the greatest gap between the rich and the poor unfolds and is exaggerated when looked at through the contrast of the private education system and the system that is an education that is provided by government. I think while many aspects can be looked at in order to elaborate on the socio-economic and socio-political landscape that shapes the South African education system, I think that language and culture are probably two of the most significant factors that gets us closer to a more thorough account of the South African education system. And the language one is particularly interesting because South Africa was colonized by the British. So once use of the English language, one's proficiency and one's mastery over the English language is often what determines one's overall experience within the education system. English remains the primary medium of instruction across South African schools. And in fact, it's the only medium of instruction that you can access higher education in. So very early on in the education system, the affirmation of students' minds and the development of their curiosities and their passion for education often hinges on their ability to use English effectively. And of course, you know, like learning the piano, there's nothing wrong with learning a language, but when that language is tethered to a colonial history, and when that language over indigenous language determines how one is likely to succeed within the education system, then it repeats a pattern, a historical pattern of one's quality of life and one's educational affirmation being dependent upon the use of the colonial tongue. And this then touches and brings us also to the aspect of culture. One of the big things in South African culture is the idea that perhaps Black people who have had access to better education are somewhat better than Black people who haven't had access to good education. The derogatory term of coconut is often used, you know, to give the impression that while one is black inside, one is white internally. And of course, in order to make a black person white internally, you have to instill a particular white culture in them. Norms, standards, sensibilities, um, political opinions that are largely shaped and given form through one's educational journey are often shaped by educational environment that is 
largely hinges on English both as a language and English as a culture. And I think that this then gives more momentum and shapes from the educational perspective the larger societal, social, economic, and social political landscape of South Africa. Of course, one could go deeper into this and explore it more, but I think just this initial blush and this tangential explanation of it, I think suffices um, in, in, in showing at least where the stress points are in the education system that give content to the claim that the socio-economic and socio-political landscape of the nation largely determines and influences how education unfolds and how education is um, deployed in the nation. I think in giving a technical account of the structure of the South African education system, one would have to at least do it for purposes of highlighting specific things. For instance, I think it is crucial that one distinguishes between private education and public education. Private education in South Africa, for the most part, mirrors private education anywhere in the world. But what is significant about this distinction and links into the discussion about the socio-economic and socio-political landscape of the country is that the majority of people who can afford to go to private school are white kids. And because of this, in spite of the formal collapse of racial structures as determining who has political and cultural power in the country, white kids being able to get the most superior education at higher rates almost always means that they will be able to form powerful networks and they will be able to constitute the professional class of the country and perpetuate inequality that begins at the level of access to education. And then a discussion of the more public side of education in South Africa must be understood on the level of the spectrum whereby on the one side of the spectrum, you have the more impoverished schools that are fully controlled by the government in which pupils often are not forced and are not compelled uh, uh, to pay school fees. And they're also like um, socioeconomic programs like feeding schemes, free stationery and so forth. And then on the other side of the spectrum of public education, you have schools that were former, public schools for white people during apartheid. They're not private schools, they're just schools that were really resourced and that catered only to white kids during apartheid. They've now become multiracial schools and they can usually charge higher amounts for fees and usually attract middle-class black people and middle-class white people who cannot, who usually cannot afford private education and who have some resources to afford an education system that is slightly above the one that government can give you. And what is crucial, at least about this, we can go into many technical facts, but I think for purposes of time, what is crucial is the inequality within the spectrum of the public education results in very high dropout rates. 
And this is once again connected to the socioeconomic issues that we spoke about, to language, to culture, to education access, and to just home dynamics from which most pupils emerge and come to school and enter the classroom in. And another thing is also that because of limited resources, the more public sector side of education focuses on fundamentals of education, you know, life orientation, numeracy, um, literacy, and then uh, choices between maybe six or seven other subjects, usually divided between the sciences and the socioeconomic subjects, you know, accounting and business studies on one side, life sciences and physical sciences on the other side, and all of them are complemented by computer literacy. And of course, because of this, one is unable to create an environment for a more holistic educational development. And students who, for instance, whose way of thinking or whose natural attributes are not in line with the more traditional model of schooling, can find themselves not being able to successfully complete schooling, either at primary school level or even at high school level. Um, and this often influences the kind of dynamics that happen in private, in, in, in public sector schools. When one thinks about the future of the education system in South Africa, and when one thinks about milestones and new frontiers that are yet to be reached in terms of education in South Africa, then very interesting debates emerge out of that. One such debate has been what we hold as the definition of education, given the multicultural nature of South Africa, given the indigenous life and indigenous knowledge that is equally as important as formal education. And um, of course, South African history has also played a role in complicating how we understand education. We know, for instance, that political education around Marxism, around philosophies of justice and fairness and freedom, around which laws should be the threshold that's controlling how we should live together post-apartheid South Africa, were often put together by people who didn't really go to school and who weren't educated in a formal sense, yet possess such a thorough and such a sharp political education that took place through cultures of reading, that took place through political discourse, and that took place at community halls and shebeens and township streets. And this gives rise to questions about what we think education is, where we think education is located. Is it within the walls of a university? Is it within the sanctuary of school walls? Or is it is it located elsewhere in cultural spaces, in the home, in the places of worship, in the streets where discourse is taking place? And as we enter the digital space, is it on the internet? Is it on e-learning? Is it in a culture of exchanging novels and books and having a critical circle of people to help you develop as a person? in a more holistic way, both culturally and both in formal education. And so when we think more futuristically about education in South Africa, then, then those questions come forward. And those questions, I think, will really hone and shape 
the way in which education and the education system develops, even as we deal with serious socioeconomic issues, you know. Um, but of course, one way of dealing with socioeconomic issues is not merely by throwing endless resources at the schooling system, but it's about so-called making the circle bigger, identifying other locations that can fulfill the educational and developmental needs of young people. And I think that this is going to really be where South Africa goes in terms of education, um, notwithstanding, of course, the social political issues that we we've discussed earlier. Thank you, Alfred. Now that is some comprehensive information right there. And there's a lot more that you can learn. But for that, let's dive into our conversation today with Guaza Zulu and really get to the heart of empowering our students and our teachers. Enjoy. South Africa is a very vibrant uh, country. Um, people, people carry humor in almost everything. Um, yeah, we, we, we even had a previous uh, president who always uh, find humor uh, even on, on, on serious issues. Uh, but that was the depiction of the character of people of, of, of South Africa. Uh, it's a beautiful country full of possibilities and uh, in particular the city that I live in, Devon. Uh, it's a coastline uh, with, with the beautiful beaches. Uh, they are warm, it feels like summer throughout the year. Uh, it's, it's, it's the most visited by tourists. Um, it, it, it is a really beautiful coastal uh, from Devon you go throughout to Cape Town uh, perhaps should I say from Mozambique up mm -hmm. north to the <laughs> southern tip of South Africa it's a beautiful coastal and it's, it's, it's all around the tourist uh, destination um, South Africa is beautiful mountainous there's your Drakensberg uh, mountain ranges and um, as I said, people are very warm. People are funny. We, yeah, we 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 are creative nation uh, because in as much as most of the population, it's it's it's, it's below the poverty rate, uh, but we we make means uh, in terms of getting forward, getting along and um, providing for our families. Uh, yeah, yeah, in, in a nutshell, um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful country. It's a, it's, a, it's a country full of resilient spirits. I can really attest to that too, especially yeah. this being here for the past three weeks and really engaging with so many wonderful people. And I, in fact, actually the past two days, I have had complete strangers just come up with me and hold my hand and talk with me about right who I am, what they love about South Africa. And so again, that warmth and the beauty of this place is, is very apparent. And, and so I uh, definitely recommend more people coming in and visiting. Well, you know, I think what you're doing uh, in 
in uh, South Africa for education is quite remarkable, and so I'd love to talk to you about that today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do, uh, what your position is, and uh, who, uh, the organization that you work for? Okay. Uh, I work for a not-for-profit not organization. Uh, it's called Star for Life. Uh, this has been a project uh, since 2005 uh, that it works to support uh, high school learners or should I just say young people because the project is working in the primary high schools which is the ages in the range of 12 years to, four, to 15 years um, and as well as in high schools. Uh, which is a range of 12 years to 19 years old. But the support that we provide in, in high schools as a, an organization, we bring in life skills uh, interventions. Uh, they are centered around giving uh, psychosocial support, which is counseling, which is most needed by our young people who are coming from difficult conditions at homes, uh, from the community, some are coming from families that have no parent. We refer to them as child-headed homes. So they lack role modeling, they lack uh, aspirations, and they are less inspired in terms of uh, seeing the brighter future, working towards achieving uh, the, the the goals, their life aspirations. So Staff for Life comes in as a social partner to the Department of Education, to the assigned schools. There will be a life skills coach who will be giving coaching and counseling to these young, young kids on an individual basis or on a group basis, uh, depending what is the presenting case. If it's an individual case, then they will come. Most of these cases uh, revolve around the issues that I've mentioned, that uh, kids are um, coming from poor families, and they are socio-cultural socio issues, socio-economic issues that they need to be addressed just before they can fully pay 100% uh, concentration on their studies at school, because if they are not, those needs are not met, uh, it means they can't really pay full attention to their academic studies. Mm -hmm. So hence the Staff for Life Life Skills Coaches, that's part of the role that they do. We do this uh, by having two mass learners workshops. Uh, it's uh, just a platform where each grade, since there are grade 8 to grade 12 in each high school, which grade, each grade would be having a session, a mass session, uh, on a prepared particular topic. The first one we normally do, we call it uh, the dreams are possible, uh, dreams can be fulfilled. That, that's what we call it. It's just to want to inspire our young people that they must have life dreams. Uh, if they have life dreams, that will be a source of inspiration and guidance to, as I behave, as I carry myself forward, this is the ultimate goal that I'm working towards. So there are other sets of, 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 of this learner workshop, but they are there 
to inspire them in in in, in, in that uh, space then we do some follow-ups and classroom sessions we do interactive sessions uh, with the approach of entertainment we just want to engage our young stars in a manner that is slightly different from teachers what they do when they come in with the curriculum content if they come with the mathematics for example they will focus on mathematics okay. but if a life skills coach come in it's about life skills issues and in 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 in, in particular it will be issues which young people in general all over the world they struggle with mm. um, peer pressure issues uh, drugs and substance abuse uh, lack of inspiration and motivation issues like that because we do that in a classroom as a follow-up to the mass greatest session that we started off other than that we do leadership uh, session with a set of group of learners where we take them for a camp uh, we teach them about taking care of their environment about uh, leadership roles within the schools how can they intervene on on areas where the school seems to be lacking or there is a need how can they mobilize local stakeholders and service providers uh, to come together and make an intervention that will impact the school community life uh, better. Uh, that's, that, that's in a nutshell. Um, but my role as well is to engage teachers as well as principals on leadership issues, uh, policy-related re matters, because our ultimate goal as an organization, we want to inspire these schools uh, in terms of uh, becoming the model institution where every citizen can with pride to take their young one to, to learn there with the hope that they be, become someone important and someone who can achieve their life uh, dreams. Because I also do some team teamwork workshops with educators. Uh, it's more of inspiring our teachers because we kind of understanding that the work that they do, it mm -hmm. comes with a lot of stress, with the challenges, lack of resources, um, despair, and all that. So for, for, for me as Gwaza, being the lead, project leader, area manager, or responsible for a cluster of schools around 18, each school I have, I have a session with teachers just to inspire them just to have activities for them to work in terms of improving their team spirit and teamwork, uh, their attitudes, their sense of resilience. Yeah, that's so important. I, and there's so many amazing facets in that. I'd love to break that down a little bit. And I think we can start with teachers. I know I'm a teacher, and I think oftentimes we have these like professional development sessions that we find not to be very useful. I'm curious, right, there's, like, I think a lot of things that we can implement as professional development that could be really supportive of the students and the teachers' development. And so can you give an example of a specific type of activity or lesson that you 
lead with the teachers that they can then go into the, their schools and implement? Yes. Um, the, the first one, it's, it's, it's similar to what we do with, with the learners. Because as, as, as teachers, we know there are the figures who, who are role models. Uh, we want to touch base in terms of where they are as adults. Do they still have life dreams? Do they still want to mm, grow and develop better? So yes. that session, it speaks to an individual to say, what are your aspirations? Hence, hence you are a teacher, but what, which areas do you want to grow uh, in your life? So that as you pursue, the, as you pursue that, you, uh, you become a source of inspiration to your learners. Uh, because you speak of a lived experience, you speak of uh, something you are engaged with yourself. It's not just a theory that because I'm a teacher, I should be telling kids about this. But you are experiencing it yourself, you are pursuing your life dreams yourself, so you speak life to mm. them, you speak practicality to them. That That, that is one uh, aspect of the... Uh, teacher development. Uh, the recent one that we've just uh, did, uh, it speaks of group dynamics um, in as much as it starts centered off on, on an individual basis. Uh, we speak about having your true north that even now you still to, as a teacher, still have to have a direction where you are going as a person. Uh, where you, which areas in yourself that you want to, to develop, uh, understanding that even you can be a group uh, of teachers in a school, but there will always be different opinions. Mm -hmm. uh, we, use, we use the metaphor of um, campus uh, because there will be an exercise where we say they must close off their eyes and as they, their eyes are closed, each person must point to a direction where he or she believes that the true north is at. Mm. So as they do that, they, call, they, they point at different uh, points. Then when they open their eyes, they realize that, oh, each person uh, has a different understanding where the true north is. They justify as they like, why did I point this direction, why did I point that direction? But that shows that even within the, 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 the teacher's body, we have different opinions, mm -hmm. we have uh, different backgrounds, we were socialized differently, we have the different directions that we want to take in that we have different opinions mm -hmm. in terms of how things should be done. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that then we take it from there to say, then in life we should be establishing systems which we know that they, 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 they become the source of authority. Yeah. For an example, in that exercise, we bring in the campus to say, when we speak of geographical uh, directions, mm -hmm. there is only one instrument which is reliable, it's a compass. So that applies as well in our working environment. There will be systems 
which we agreed upon that this is how things should be done uh, compared to everyone having his different opinion and, and, and direction. So that's what we want to bring practically. They experience it, they live it, so that whenever they are confronted with issues of their own in terms of how they work, they always reflect, reflect back to these exercises and uh, be reminded that there are accountable systems, uh, reliable sources mm -hmm. uh, to help them find a way, a common or a shared vision. Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that that is one exercise. It, it, it also touches on, 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 on behavior. Of course. That, that needs to be changed because we are creatures of habits. Some of the habits do not speak to what we aspire to become. Yes, so, so just to, to, to become the best version of yourself, there are habits that you need to identify that they are not contributing to where I want to go. Mm -hmm. uh, so we speak of a change model. It's a simply change model. It's uh, things that need to be stopped, things that need to be start, things that need to be continuously nurtured. So it's such exercise, they are practical, they are simple, but they are more reflective because we understand that our teachers, they are parents themselves, and they are preoccupied with other roles and responsibilities. So to bring this during their school hours and school work as a capacity development, it makes them really reflects absolutely yeah. I, I i know it's summer break but if there's any chance that i could be part of one of those sessions that sounds amazing i think because you are you're really empowering the teacher to see themselves and their community of teachers right in a different light and i think that is a very important uh, resource to be able to provide for those teachers so that then they can go back to the schools and really lead with that kind of that knowledge um, and so i guess like pushing then pushing that into the schools I'm curious about how, like, you mentioned entertainment being a big form of engaging with students. I know, like, the arts and culture is another component connected with entertainment. And so what are the, some, some specific activities that, that the organization is working on with students to engage them in the work and the knowledge of these different social challenges that they're facing? And maybe you can talk about a specific activity that, um, that they do to kind of implement that. Um. With, with, with arts and culture, what, what we first notice is that there is a significant number in, in, in our school of, of learners who are academically challenged to perform as they are expected. Mm. So you find that most of them are doing very great uh, when it comes to practical activities. When it, um, for an example, with the arts and culture, we speak we speak of these four art forms: uh, the visual performing, uh, and when it comes to performing, most of those learners which are academically challenged, they do wonders when it comes to they are given tasks. To come up with a play, with a poetry, uh, that will be sending a message around any identified issue that seems to be a community challenge. 
So for us is to pick issues that are community challenge. Let's take an example of drugs and substance abuse. Okay. If the life skills coach within the particular school see rise of intake cases around drugs and substance abuse, then we can take these uh, cultural groups in our school to say, there's an issue that we want to address. It will be through a community awareness dialogue or community awareness campaign. Mm -hmm. There will be other service providers and stakeholders that will be involved, but for, for that particular group of learners is to say, there is a central theme. Uh, do your piece, do a po po come up with poetry that can conscientize, that can bring awareness, that can have educational messages to your peers. Mm -hmm. And they, they are very creative. They, are, they do wonders. Uh, they, they will be performing that on that particular day of awareness. Uh, whatever we choose to do. So some are, are, are focusing on visual arts. Some learners, they come up with a very creative uh, uh, what portrait pictures and, 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 and all that. It, it can be a portrait picture that they, for whatever reason, they, 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 they find a meaning or they can tell a story behind it just to inspire uh, other fellow uh, learners. So we do this by creating a space within each school that we work with. We do arts exhibitions in different art forms. Uh, they display this. Uh, we invite their parents and other community stakeholders and service providers uh, to the school. They see the display, they get the messages, they get the stories behind, they get to buy those arts pieces, they get to appreciate those performances, and it, it, it really becomes a community day, uh, which is has an ed education uh, messages, as, uh, as well as awareness uh, messages. Um, yes, um, and we, we really make annual competitions or festivals, if I may, if I may put like that, uh, because it's different schools which will come up with their different pieces. They will compete for a prize of recognition. It's not necessarily a prize of victory. It's a yeah. prize of recognition that you've done well uh, than, than the others. So through these exhibitions, so we, we've come to realize that uh, quite a lot of our learners are artistic. Quite a lot of our learners, they may f uh, fall behind in a classroom where a teacher comes in with an English curriculum and expect them to express themselves. But when you give them the platform through arts and, 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 and culture, uh, they are able to express themselves.
so they are so able powerful. to be recognized. Yeah. So you are in a process working on their self-confidence, on their self-esteem. Uh, you make them realize that they, in life, generally, they can do better. Uh, it's not... They shouldn't look themselves and internalize the fact that when, it, when an English teacher is there, they can't express themselves so well in English uh, in connection to the content that is expected. But the fact that they can be creative, come up with performances, uh, be able to tell stories behind their artwork in, in, in all these different art forms, it means there are people worthy, there are people who can make things happen in life, there are people who can work on their self-confidence, self-esteem. They, there are people who are able to express themselves. It's, 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 it's so unfortunate that it's not what the society expects, but they are as capable as everyone else. So that's, in a nutshell, that's how we use our art and culture projects. Uh, we also capacitate uh, educators in terms of finding new ways and means uh, of, of, of educating the arts and culture. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think, so empowering. I think I love to do that in my classroom as well, is really create these sort of awareness campaigns, but not just through like the typical academic means of writing an essay or something that's, one, not necessarily entertaining for the students, and especially those students who don't necessarily are able to communicate or address these issues in that same way, but give them another avenue, a way to make them, empower them, make them have a sense of, uh, of self-confidence and self-esteem through their arts or through other means, and you can really see a different side of the student, and I think your word of recognition is so important. Uh, and I think it's a challenging question, but you mentioned it, it, how it's a shame that you know society in large doesn't necessarily recognize that sort of ability. And I was wondering if you know maybe you, you had any, any, any sort of knowledge about how we could create a shift in society to really appreciate that sort of uh, w way to communicate your knowledge, a way to communicate who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I do believe uh, there are some structural changes in terms of how we approach our education curriculum delivery. Um, I think we are more focused on it, it, it's teacher-centered, yeah. the way we do. It's, it's a teacher comes mm -hmm. with knowledge base and uh, comes with expectations that as I teach my students, my learners, these, these are the outcomes that are expected so that they can be graded or rated to be competent in this, uh, which is working to some extent, but it's failing a whole lot of Absolutely. other uh, young people, other learners, other students, because I think if it's... Uh, more focus on it's diverse. It's we recognize those with limited challenges mm -hmm. in, in, in in terms of adapting to this current system. We we bring in these uh, practical uh, exercises uh, to class. We or we try to 
associate them with their passions and interests, uh, capabilities. I think we can get the best out of them while they're still young, yes. perhaps at their primary age. And if, 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 if you make them to do these activities, this uh, physical or these practical uh, acti- activities, I think we'll, we'll, we'll gain their confidence, we'll gain, uh, at least we'll have an idea of where their passions lie. Mm-hmm. Then we can work from that point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from that point end, because it's, an, it's, a, it's a point where we've realized the potential, we've, we've realized that they are resourceful in this space. Yes. So to influence the young people in that way, I'm 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 really not having a, a, a clear cut way. I think you've said a lot of key yeah. things though, right? It's yeah. an assets based approach. You're seeing what the students are capable of and how you know how and really addressing them and focusing on that sort of thing to empower them on their skills that they are really capable of. And it's really student-centered rather than being teacher-centered. That's so general, right? Student-centered, you're really focusing on the individual child and rather than just doing a blanket kind of, these are the outcomes I expect. So, no, these, you're, you're addressing the individual students and helping them grow from where they are. Precisely, Chris. Precisely. It's asset-based, it's asset-based approach. It's student-centered. Mm. It's, uh, I, I think when we can build more from that, yeah. we can... We can win because at the primary stage or stage of their education, it's 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 really not about uh, the scores. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not really about the scores. It's, it's 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 about getting an individual to acknowledge himself or herself to say, "I'm capable. I'm worthy. So I'm creative. Yes. I have. Uh, I'm driven by passion. Preach. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I yeah. can. I. I can make things happen. Mm-hmm. So from that space, then you can build a person academically. That uh, the 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 conventional way we we, we do teaching. Then yes. we can come up at high school with a conventional way. At least the basics. The confidence, the esteem, mm. has been built very strongly because they know. They, it's they, so they, crucial they, to every other aspect of life and learning, yes. right? When you have those students who feel confident, have that social emotional ability to regulate their emotions and understand what they, you know, who they are, right? Then you can really grow from there. And I, you know, you mentioned the primary schools. Uh, I'm wondering how, you know, majority of your school, your sessions are working with the high schools right now. I'm curious like how you're you're hoping to work more with the primary schools. With, with the primary school it's it's it is kind of a similar program but we 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 try to adapt it. For an example, we have a, a, a mascot uh, which we called Chabulani, Star Chabulani uh, mascot is a storyteller mm-hmm. uh, because young kids, young uh, young students, young learners, they love to listen to stories. They learn better 
uh, when you yes. give them uh, stories. So that is uh, one example. But we also provide the counseling because at that age already they are faced with um, serious social challenges like rape. There are cases of rape. Uh, there are cases where they go to school probably the whole week without having anything to eat from home. Mm. Um, so the, the, the program is just to accommodate them, it's just to give them that social uh, support in, 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 in school. So it's, pre, it's primarily that counseling, it's, uh, it's primarily bringing in the element that they can associate with the mascot Stachablani, it gets to be funny, it gets to be uh, engaging. engaging. It's, it's, it's what they relate at that, at that age. Yeah. Um, we do some leadership camps for, for, for those that we trained at that stage to take leadership roles. But it's, it's not, again, about them uh, as a group. It's about them coming back to mobilize their peers, mm. their young peers to make sure that whatever challenges or gaps that exist in the school environment, they initiate uh, some activities to address them. So we believe if we catch them at a primary age to be able to identify gaps themselves, to be able to initiate interventions uh, themselves, so we are giving them basic, uh, right basics to be able to be responsible citizens, to be activists, to be community interveners, activators, uh, but it's to take responsibility, yeah. is to experience leadership rather than being told leadership is that, leadership is that and that and that, no, here. We just want them to mobilize among themselves, take initiatives, and, 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 and be able to see projects through from the inception to the final stage. And you're giving them the access to create ownership over those changes, and that's very powerful. I, God, it's been wonderful really learning so much about, about you and, and what you're doing, and I think just to finish off, I'd love to hear like what your hopes are for the next five, ten years. What are the, some key things that you'd like to see change or improved upon uh, for the? And it doesn't have to be just for your schools, but maybe the larger sense of education in South Africa. Uh, our education in, in, in South Africa, there, there must be an improvement in terms of how we support our teachers, our mm-hmm. educators. Uh, there must be a lot of uh, what are called employment wellness practitioners because teachers are working in a very challenging environment, demanding environment, they have their own issues. So a lot of the employment wellness practitioners will greatly help the asset-based uh, approach 
it should be learner centered should be a, it shouldn't be an, a blanket approach um, again i think it, it's uh, yeah uh, some issues on 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 policies uh, in terms of to develop a learner at, at, at an early stage um, what 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 sort of competencies are we prioritizing mm. uh, it shouldn't be about grading and yes. scoring mm-hmm. uh, no it should be about building a character yeah uh, it should be about building that competencies it's a funny word. <laughs> um, it, 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 it also speaks to leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, leadership in general, from the officials to the uh, principals to the educators. Uh, I, I, I think there's a great gray area in terms of how we keep on developing our officials, our educators, our principals on practical leadership uh, issues, not theoretical, mm-hmm. uh, not, not about theories, yeah. but how, how, how we create an enabling environment for them to take true ownership and, and then and make changes uh, that matter. Yeah, uh, Mostly it's how we rope in our, the parents because yeah. schools are a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. There is so much that we can do in schools and we can be proud of in terms of uh, capacitating learners, teachers, uh, principals and all that. But school, it's part of a bigger community. Yes. And uh, as long as the parents are not part of what we do within the school environment, so I think there's, there's, there's still a long way to go because we tend to send or impart different sets of messages and, and, and values. Uh, but we 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 looking forward to a space where we bring in parents. We have programs that are aligned to the programs that are happening to school so that we can we can have a set of, 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 of messages, of values that speak to each other, that are aligned. There must be synchronization in terms of what we want to achieve, how we do things. Um, yeah, basically, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a program that can make parents to be involved continuously not a once-off not a a, yeah they should be involved continuously but i'm I'm, I'm hopeful we'll come up with something Uh, some some other people are engaged on 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 researching about that Uh, some others have started in terms of bringing in parents uh, to help them understand the career pathing, the mm-hmm. career choices, and their role they should be playing to the young ones when they speak of careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Well, you're really making change that, that matters, so keep the work up that you're doing, and I'm excited to see where it grows from here. It's exciting. Yes, I'm, 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 it's a fulfilling journey. It's an exciting journey. It's a challenging journey. It's a training journey. Yes. <laughs> but it's a good space to be because it's, it speaks about nation building. It's, mm. It speaks about bringing hope not only to where I'm at, not only to South Africa, but to the continent and to the world. Mm. Because through this, as I'm seated with you, Chris, yes. we are exchanging ideas. Course, yes. I've learned something, some things from you. You've learned something. Perhaps you'll be taking these uh, shared information, these experiences to your own country and mm. see what sort of changes can you try, what best practices uh, really resonated with you. Yeah. And that's how we're making impact. We're making positive changes and we are really, really making those waves of change uh, throughout the world. Well, thank you so much, Waza, for being with me and sharing that and sharing us, you know, this conversation together. It's been really uh, opening. Thank you. Okay, thanks. What a phenomenal hour of learning. I really want to thank Alfred and Guaza for taking the time to really share with us their knowledge and expertise. Uh, I certainly learned so much, and I really want to pull a couple key concepts that Guaza highlighted. One was empowering teachers to see themselves and their communities in a different light. A second one was to create platforms to be creative and use culture to develop a sense of confidence and self-worth. And for students and teachers to recognize themselves as capable, worthy, creative, and driven by passion. Those are things that all of us can really recognize in ourselves as we are going through our day to day. I've had a phenomenal time in South Africa and really want to thank the Hassin family. Liana is a sister to me and the godfather to her incredible baby Leah. And this was just a phenomenal experience to be able to really see this great country of South Africa and through Alfred and Guaza learn about the education system. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast today. Like me on social media and wherever you're listening. And as always, have a phenomenal day. Class dismissed. <laughs>